to City of Desert. I'm Father David Abernethy, and we are continuing our reading of the Philokalia, in particular the volume entitled Writings on the Prayer of the Heart. And over these past months we've been reading and now are coming to the conclusion of the writings of St. Hezekiah on sobriety and prayer. And in these final paragraphs, uh, Hezekiah continues to speak about uh, the mental warfare that we engage in, in particular with our own thoughts and what it is that we must do in order to uh, avoid being drawn into distraction and also uh, what it is that we are to do in order to free our minds from such thoughts. And so we're picking up today on page 317 with paragraph 185, if you're following along in the text. Hezekiah begins by saying, Mental conversations with thoughts carried on within, and outward conversations and idle talk equally darken the soul. So an interesting thing, both the internal dialogue that we have as well as external dialogue with others can darken the soul, that we have to be careful of both, preferring a kind of silence and stillness to uh, idle conversations in whatever form that they might take. He then goes on to say, Thus those who are striving to banish all harmful thoughts from the mind must pitilessly chase away those lovers of idle talk, both thoughts and men. They must do so for a most pertinent reason, namely to prevent the mind from being darkened and thus weakening sobriety. For being darkened by forgetfulness from conversations, we lose our mind. We become as though we had no mind at all. And so this kind of loss of attention and uh, being caught up in idle conversations uh, is a kind of a psychological break that takes place for us. We, we lose our minds, as it were, uh, in uh, something that is uh, a false reality. And so this isn't only about uh, shunning uh, excessive thoughts or idle conversations, but it is about our wholeness and well-being as, as human beings. That if we give ourselves over to the flight of imagination, of fantasy, of ideas, and indiscriminately do so, we can fall into a kind of uh, of psychosis or at least deep, deep neurosis in our, our lives that can be very overcome, very difficult to overcome. In paragraph 186, he continues, He who steadfastly keeps the heart pure will have as his teacher Christ himself, the lawgiver of purity, who will secretly impart to him his will. I will hear what God the Lord will speak, says David of this, describing inner discussions which the mind carries on with itself about mental warfare and about the help and protection of God in it. 
I said, so that a man shall say, verily there is a reward for the righteous. And further, speaking of the verdict arrived at, after a thorough examination of the question, he says, verily he is a God that judgeth, that is evil demons, in the earth and of our heart. So Christ becomes our teacher, as well as our, our judge in this regard, that we turn to him in order to guide and direct our thoughts, but it is also he who judges uh, the thoughts that come not from him, but from the evil one. They search out iniquities, he says. They accomplish a diligent search, both the inward thought of every one of them, and the heart is deep. But God shall shoot at them with an arrow. Suddenly they shall be wounded. So teacher, judge, and also defender. That uh, God in this battle becomes our greatest uh, protector on the battlefield. And so even if things seem to be desperate for us in the struggle, we need have no fear because God himself will shoot his arrow at them and destroy them that seek to afflict us. He continues on in 187 by saying, Let us then always so conduct ourselves so as to apply the hearts unto wisdom, ceaselessly breathing Jesus Christ, the power of God, the Father, and God's wisdom. If through some mishap we sink low and neglect this mental doing, the next morning let us again gird the loins of our mind and resume our work with renewed vigor, realizing that since we know how to do good, we have no right to neglect it. So fall from grace and fall into distraction is not license uh, for further neglect or laxity uh, or negligence. We have the responsibility of immediately uh, seeking to rise from the times that we fall into sin and re-enter the battle, seek healing first from the Lord, and then re-engage in the fight. And in the coming paragraph, Hezekiah puts this in the most stark terms in regards of freeing our, ourselves from the thoughts and what we must do. He writes, soon after taking harmful food, painful disorders occur in the body. If after eating it, a man hastens to vomit it, as soon as he feels its harmful effect, he remains safe. In the same way, if the mind, having swallowed wicked thoughts, fills their harmful bitterness, it escapes all harm if it hastens to vomit them and cast them far away by prayer to Jesus, uttered from the depths of the heart. The teachings of others and personal experiences have shown that this is how, by God's mercy, those who practice sobriety should understand the matter. So the moment that we experience the uh, sinful thoughts come upon us, we seek to cast them out through the use of the Jesus prayer, something that would be akin to vomiting. Uh, uh, and at times this can be a, a violent battle in order to free us from the thing that has poisoned us. Uh, what Hezekiah doesn't say here, I think, is our tendency uh, unless we do cast these th thoughts out and cast them out with great rigor is to return to them 
there's a saying in the book of Proverbs as a dog returns to its vomit, so a sinner returns to his sin. And the same is true for us in the spiritual life. Unless we cast out these thoughts uh, with this kind of vigor and violence, then we will have a tendency to return to them, or they will come back to us in such a way that we will be attracted to them, even though they are something that poison, poison us and make us sick. In paragraph 189, Hezekiah picks up with, again with the importance of the name of Jesus in this warfare. He says, combine sobriety and the name of Jesus with your breath, or the thought of death and humility, for one and another alike bring great profit. So the recitation of the name of Jesus with the breath, uh, this is the first time I believe that we've heard this from Hezekiah, encouraging us to say the prayer uh, with the pacing of our, our breathing, so that it does become a natural and constant reality for us, that we are reminded as we are with our breathing of the necessity of this prayer in the spiritual battle. And, and then he says, or the thought of death and humility, that again, the remembrance of death added to the, the sobriety and the invocation of the name of Jesus heightens uh, the, the sense of the importance of the battle, acknowledging our mortality, the, the brevity of life, allows us to engage in it with uh, a greater fortitude. In paragraph 190, he goes on to say, The Lord said, Learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. He said also, Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as a little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased. Learn of me, he says. Do you see what we must learn? Humility. His commandment is eternal life, and this commandment is humility. Therefore, whoever is not humble has abjured life, and so will naturally find himself there where it is its opposite. So humility, uh, as so often as we find in the fathers, as being the commandment of the Lord. And he makes use of a number of familiar passages, in particular those who call us to uh, remain as if we are children, relying absolutely upon our Heavenly Father for aid in this spiritual battle. Insofar as we have pride or seek to engage in the warfare uh, by our own strength, by our own will, is where we are going to falter. And uh, so he brings us back again and again to the point of speaking of humility as a commandment. In paragraph 192, he goes on to say, If every virtue is performed by soul and body, and if, as I've said, the soul and body by which every virtue is performed are God's creation, are we not extremely foolish if we take pride and exalt ourselves in adornments of soul and body which are alien to them? Leaning on pride as on a stick, do we not thus provoke God, whose greatness is boundless? By this extreme iniquity and foolishness, do we not attract upon our heads his most terrible displeasure, since God resisteth the proud? Instead of imitating the Lord in his humility, by our vain and proud reasonings, we fraternize with the implacable enemy of the Lord, the proud devil. 
Therefore the apostle says, What hast thou that thou didst not receive? Have you created yourself? If you have received from God both body and soul, from which in which from which, in which, and by which every virtue is performed. Why dost thou glory as if thou hadst not received it? For the Lord gave you all of this. So, not to embrace the path of, of humility is to fraternize with the demonic one, the prideful one, that we have one path but to take, and that is the path of the Lord. And not to stray from this in word, thought, or deed. We are to humble ourselves as we follow our humble and crucified Lord. And finally, in paragraph 193, he writes, Purification of the heart, through which we acquire humility, like every blessing which comes from above, is no other than never to allow incoming thoughts to enter the soul. So quite simply, reiterating what has been said before, that this is our, our life. And the purification that we seek is a kind of freedom from thoughts within the mind and the heart. Again, it's something that seems uh, uh, perhaps a bit harsh when we first hear about it, and certainly contrary to the distractions of the world. But this is the path that the Father set out for us for sobriety and our prayer. That brings us to the, to the end of this episode, and next week we will be discussing the final paragraphs of Hezekiah's writing. Uh, thank you for joining us once again, and I look forward to seeing you soon.